0: Welcome back, everybody. It is chapter two, The Pool of Tears. I will be reading page 13. Curiouser and curiouser, cried Alice. She was so much surprised that for the moment she quite forgot how to speak good English. Now I'm opening out like the largest telescope that ever was. Goodbye, feet, for when she looked down at her feet, they seemed to be almost out of sight. They were getting so far off. Oh, my poor little feet. I wonder who will put on your shoes and your stockings for you now, dears. I'm sure I shan't be able. I shall be a great deal too far off to trouble myself about you. You must manage the best way you can. But I must be kind to them, thought Alice. Or perhaps they won't walk the way I want to go let me see. I'll give them a new pair of boots every Christmas. And she went on planning to herself how she would manage it. They must go by the carrier, she thought. And how funny it'll seem sending presents to one's own feet, and how odd the directions will look. Page 14. Alice's Right Foot, Esquire. Hearthrug near the fender with Alice's love. Oh dear, what nonsense I'm talking! Just then her head struck against the roof of the hall. In fact, she was now more than nine feet high. And she at once took up the little golden key and hurried off to the garden door. Poor Alice! It was as much as she could do, lying on one side, to look through into the garden with one eye. But to get through was more hopeless than ever. She sat down and began to cry again. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, said Alice. A great girl like you, she might well say this. To go on crying in this way, stop this moment, I tell you. But she went on, all the same, shedding gallons of tears, until there was a large pool around her, about four inches deep, reaching half down the hall. After a time, she heard a little pattering of feet in the distance, and she hastily dried her tears, dried her eyes, to see what was coming. It was the white rabbit returning, splendidly dressed, with a pair of white kid gloves in one hand and a large fan in the other. He came trotting along in a great hurry, muttering to himself as he came, Oh, the Duchess! The Duchess! Oh, won't she be savage if I've kept her waiting? Alice felt so desperate that she was ready to ask help of anyone. So, when the rabbit came near her, She began in a low, timid voice. "'If you please, sir.' The rabbit started violently, dropped the white kid gloves and the fan, and scurried away into the darkness as hard as he could go. Alice took up the fan and the gloves, and, as the hall was very hot, she kept fanning herself. All the time, she went on talking. "'Dear, dear,' How queer everything is today. And yesterday, things went on just as usual. I wonder if I've been changed in the night. Let me think. Was I the same when I got up this morning? I almost think I can remember feeling a little different. But if I'm not the same, the next question is, Who in the world am I? Oh. That's the great puzzle. Page 15 And she began thinking over all the children she knew that were of the same age as herself to see if she could have been changed for any of them. I'm sure I'm not Ada, she said, for her hair goes in such long ringlets and mine doesn't go in ringlets at all. And I'm sure I can't be Mabel. For I know all sorts of things, and she, oh, she knows very little. Besides, she's she, and I'm I, and, oh dear, how puzzling it all is. I'll try if I know all the things I used to know. Let me see. Four times five is twelve. Four times six is thirteen. Four times seven is... Oh, dear, I shall never get to 20 at that rate. However, the multiplication table doesn't signify. Let's try geography. London is the capital of Paris, and Paris is the capital of Rome. And Rome, no, that's all wrong, I'm certain. I must have been changed for Mabel. I'll try and say, how doth a little and she crossed her hands on her lap, as if she were saying lessons, and began to repeat it, but her voice sounded hoarse and strange, and the words did not come the same as they used to. How doth little crocodile improve his shining tail, and pour the waters of the Nile on every golden scale. How cheerfully he seems to grin, how neatly spread his claws and welcome little fishes in with gently smiling jaws. I'm sure those are not the right words, said poor Alice, and her eyes filled with tears again as she went on. I must be Mabel after all, and I shall have to go and live in that pooky little house. And have next to no toys to play with. And all, ever so many lessons to learn. No, I've made up my mind about it. If I'm Mabel, I'll stay down here. It'll be no use putting up their heads. Putting their heads down. And saying, come up again, dear. I shall only look up and say, who am I then? Tell me that first and then. If I like that person, I'll come up. If not, I'll stay down here till somebody else. But, oh dear, cried Alice with a sudden burst of tears. I do wish they would put their heads down. I'm so very tired of being all alone here. As she said this, she looked down into her hands and was surprised to see that she had put on one of the rabbit's little white kid gloves. While she was talking, how can I have done that? She thought, I must be growing small again. She got up and went to the table to measure herself by it and found that, as nearly as she could guess, she was now about two feet high and was going on shrinking rapidly. She soon found out that the cause of this was the fan she was holding, and she dropped it hastily, just in time, to avoid shrinking away altogether. That was a narrow escape, said Alice, a good deal frightened at the sudden change, but very glad to find herself still in existence. And now for the garden. And she ran with all speed back to the little door. But, alas, the little door was shut again. And that golden key was lying on the glass table as before. And things are worse than ever, thought the poor child. For I never was so small as this before. Never. And I declare, it's too bad that it is. And she said these words, as she said these words, her foot slipped, and in another moment, splash, she was up to her chin in salt water. Her first idea was that she had somehow fallen into the sea. And in that case, I can go back by r- railway, she said to herself. Alice had been to the seaside once in her life, and had come to the gentle, general conclusion <laughs> Sorry, readers, just a narrator's, uh, <laughs> a narrator's, uh, sort of nightmare when you start messing up the words and you're like, should I start over? Well, it's already been five minutes. <laughs> Let me back up. I'm not starting this over. You're just going to have to deal with the whimsical nature of, uh, my reading and this book. <laughs> okay. Backing up, backing up, let's back up! All right, as she said these words, her foot slipped, and in another moment, splash, she was up to her chin in salt water. Her first idea was that she had somehow fallen into the sea. And in that case, I can go back by railway, she said to herself. Alice had been to the seaside once in her life, and she had come to the general conclusion that wherever you go to on the English coast, you can find a number of bathing machines in the sea. Hmm. Some children digging in the sand with wooden spades. Then a row of lodging houses. And behind them, a railway station. However, she soon made out that she was in the pool of tears, which had wept, which she had wept when she was nine feet high. Okay, so this was actually page 15, 16, and 17. I just kept going, because that's what I did. Page 18. I wish I hadn't cried so much, said Alice, as she swam about trying to find her way out. I shall be punished for it now, I suppose, by being drowned in my own tears, That will be a queer thing, to be sure. However, everything is queer today. Just then, she heard something splashing about in the pool a little way off, and as she swam nearer to make out what it was, at first she thought it must be a walrus or a hippopotamus, but then she remembered how small she was now, and she soon made out that it was only a mouse that had slipped in like herself. Would it be of any use now, thought Alice, to speak to this mouse? Everything is so out of the way down here that I should think very likely it can talk. At any rate, there's no harm in trying. So she began. Oh, mouse, do you know the way out of this pool? I'm very tired of swimming about here, oh, mouse. Alice thought this must be the right way of speaking to a mouse. She had never done such a thing before. But she remembered having seen her brother's Latin grammar. A mouse of a mouse to a mouse, a mouse, oh, mouse. The mouse looked at her rather inquisitively and seemed to her to wink with one of its little eyes but said nothing. Page 19 Perhaps it doesn't understand English, thought Alice. I dare say it's a French mouse. Come over with William the Conqueror. For with all her knowledge of history, Alice had no very clear notion how long ago anything had happened. So she began again. Oué, machette? Which was the first sentence in her French lesson book. The mouse gave a sudden leap out of the water and seemed to quiver all over with fright. Oh, I beg your pardon, cried Alice hastily, afraid that she had hurt the poor animal's feelings. I quite forgot you didn't like cats. Not like cats, cried the mouse in a shrill, passionate voice. Would you like cats if you were me? Well, perhaps not. "'said Alice in a soothing tone. "'Don't be angry about it. "'And yet I wish I could show you our cat Dinah. "'I think you'd fancy. "'I think you'd take a fancy to cats "'if you could only see her. "'She is such a dear, quiet thing. "'Alice went on half to herself as she "'swam lazily about in the pool. "'And she sits purring so nicely by the fire, "'licking her paws and washing her face.' And she is such a nice soft thing to nurse. And she's a capital one for catching mice. Oh, I beg your pardon, cried Alice again, for this time the mouse was bristling all over, and she felt certain it must be really offended. We won't talk about her any more, if you'd rather not. We indeed, cried the mouse, who was trembling down to the end of his tail. As if I would talk on such a subject. Our family always hated cats, nasty, low, vulgar things. Don't let me hear the name again. I won't, indeed, said Alice, in a great hurry to change the subject of conversation. Are you... are you fond of... of dogs? The mouse did not answer, so Alice went on eagerly. There is such a nice little dog near our house. I should like to show you a little bright eyed terrier, you know, with, oh, such long curly brown hair and it'll fetch things when you throw them and it'll sit up and beg for its dinner and all sorts of things. I can't remember half of them. And it belongs to a farmer, you know, and he says, it's so useful. It's worth a hundred pounds. He says, it kills all the rats and, oh dear, cried Alice in a sorrowful tone. I'm afraid I've offended it again. For the mouse was swimming away. We're actually entering page 20. (laughs) Entering, sorry. For the mouse was swimming away from her as hard as it could. And making quite a commotion in the pool as it went. So she called softly after it, Mouse dear, do come back again, and we won't talk about cats or dogs either if you don't like them. When the mouse heard this, it turned round and swam slowly back to her. Its face was quite pale, with passion, Alice thought, and it said in a low, trembling voice, Let us get to the shore. And then I'll tell you my history, and you'll understand why it is I hate cats and dogs. It was high time to go, for the pool was getting quite crowded with birds and animals that had fallen into it. There was a duck and a dodo, a lorry and an eaglet, and several other curious creatures. Alice led the way, and the whole party swam to the shore. Page 21, Chapter 3, A Caucus Race in a Long Tail They were indeed a queer-looking party that assembled on the bank. The birds with draggled feathers, the animals with their fur clinging close to them, and all dripping wet, cross, and uncomfortable. The first question, of course, was how to get dry again. They had a consultation about this, and after a few minutes it seemed quite natural to Alice to find herself talking familiarly with them, as if she had known them all her life. Indeed, she had quite a long argument with the lorry, who at last turned sulky, and would only say, I'm older than you, and must know better. And this Alice would not allow without knowing how old it was. And, as the lorry positively refused to tell its age, there was no more to be said. At last the mouse, who seemed to be a person of authority among them, called out, Sit down, all of you, and listen to me. I'll soon make you dry enough. They all sat down at once, in a large ring, with the mouse in the middle. Alice kept her eyes anxiously fixed on it, for she felt sure she would catch a bad cold if she did not get dry very soon. said the mouse with an important air. Are you all ready? This is the driest thing I know. Silence all round, if you please. William the Conqueror, whose cause was favored by the Pope, was soon submitted to by the English, who wanted leaders and had been of late much accustomed to usurpation and conquest. Edwin and Morcar, the earls of Mercia and Northumbria. Ugh, said the lorry with a shiver. I beg your pardon, said the mouse, frowning, but very politely. Did you speak? Not I, said the lorry hastily. I thought you did. "'said the mouse. "'I proceed. "'Edwin and Morcar, the earls of Mercia and Northumbria, "'declared for him, and even Stigand, "'the patriotic archbishop of Canterbury, found it advisable.' "'Found what?' said the duck. "'Found it,' the mouse replied rather crossly. "'Of course you know what it means.' I know what it means well enough when I find a thing," said the duck it generally it's generally a frog or a worm. The question is what did the archbishop find? The mouse did not notice this question, but hurriedly went on found it advisable to go with Edgar Atheling to meet William and offer him the ground. "'William's conduct at first was moderate, "'but the insolence of his Normans. "'How are you getting on now, my dear?' "'It continued turning to Alice as it spoke. "'As wet as ever,' said Alice in a melancholy tone. "'It doesn't seem to dry me at all.'" Page 23 In that case... Said the dodo, solemnly rising to its feet. I move that the meeting adjourned for the immediate adoption of more energetic remedies. Speak English, said the eaglet. I don't know the meaning of half those long words, and what's more, I don't believe you do either. And the eaglet bent down its head to hide a smile. Some of the other birds tittered audibly. "'What I was going to say,' said the dodo in an offended tone, "'was that the best thing to get dry would be a caucus race.' "'What is a caucus race?' said Alice. "'Not that she wanted much to know, but the dodo had paused, "'as if it thought that somebody ought to speak, "'and no one else seemed inclined to say anything. "'Why?' said the Dodo. The best way to explain it is to do it. And as you might like to try the thing for yourself some winter day, I will tell you how the Dodo managed it. First, it marked out a race course in a sort of circle. The exact shape doesn't matter, it said. And then all the party were placed along the course here and there. There was no one, two, three, and away. But they began running when they liked and left off when they liked, so that it was not easy to know when the race was over. However, when they had been running a half an hour or so and were quite dry again, the dodo suddenly called out, The race is over! And they all crowded round it, panting and asking, Who has won? This question to the dodo. This question the dodo could not answer without a great deal of thought. And it sat for a long time with one finger pressed upon its forehead. The position in which you usually see Shakespeare in the pictures of him. While the rest waited in silence. At last, the dodo said, Everybody has won and all must have prizes. But who is to give the prizes? Quite a chorus of voices asked. Why, she, of course, said the dodo, pointing to Alice with one finger, and the whole party at once crowded around her, calling out in a confused way. Prizes! Prizes! Alice had no idea what to do, and, in despair, she put her hand in her pocket and pulled out a box of comfits. Luckily, the salt water had not got to it, got into it, and handed them round as prizes. There was exactly one piece all around page twenty four But she must have a prize herself, you know, said the mouse. "'Of course,' the dodo replied very gravely. "'What else have you got in your pocket?' he went on, turning to Alice. "'Only a thimble,' said Alice sadly. "'Hand it over here,' said the dodo. Then they all crowded around her once more, while the dodo solemnly presented, the thimble saying, "'We beg your acceptance of this elegant thimble.' And when it had finished this short speech, they all cheered. Alice thought the whole thing was very absurd, but they all looked so grave that she did not dare to laugh. And as she could not think of anything to say, she simply bowed and took the thimble, looking as solemn as she could. The next thing was to eat the comfits. This caused some noise and confusion, as the large birds complained that they could not taste theirs, and the small ones choked. And had to be patted on the back. However, it was over at last, and they sat down again in a ring and begged the mouse to tell them something more. You promised me, you promised to tell me your history, you know, said Alice, and why it is you hate C and D. She added in a whisper, half afraid that it would be. Offended again. page 25. So to explain this page, it's kind of interesting. there is a tale, sort of a little poem in this in this book, and I'll tell you when I'm going to come across it. but anyway, it's um, it's a poem where all the letters are squished together and it actually forms the appearance of a tail. So all the writing is squished to form a tail. It's very unique. Okay, here we go, page 25. "'Mine is a long and sad tail,' said the mouse, turning to Alice and sighing. "'It is a long tail, certainly,' said Alice, looking down with wonder at the mouse's tail. "'But why do you call it sad?' and she kept on puzzling about it while the mouse was speaking so that her idea of the tale was something like this. So here it goes. Fury said to the mouse that he met in the house, Let us both go to law. I will prosecute you. Come, I'll take no denial. We must have the trial. For really, this morning, I've got nothing to do, said the mouse to the cure. Such a trial, dear sir, with no jury, no judge, would be wasting our breath. I'll be judge, I'll be jury, said cunning old fury. I'll try the whole cause and condemn you to death. Page 26. You're not attending, said the mouse to Alice severely. What are you thinking of? I beg your pardon, said Alice very humbly. You had got to the fifth bend, I think. I had not, cried the mouse sharply and very angrily. A knot," said Alice, always ready to make herself useful and looking anxiously about her. Oh, Do let me help to undo it. I shall do nothing of the sort, said the mouse, getting up and walking away. You insult me by talking such nonsense. I didn't mean it, pleaded poor Alice. But you're so easily offended, you know. The mouse only growled in reply. Please come back and finish your story, Alice called after it. And the others all joined in chorus. Yes, please do but the mouse only shook its head impatiently and walked a little quicker. What a pity it wouldn't stay, sighed the sighed the lorry, as soon as it was quite out of sight, and an old crab took the opportunity of saying to her daughter Ah, my dear, let this be a lesson to you never to lose your temper. Hold your tongue, Ma, said the young crab, a little snappishly. You're enough to try the patience of an oyster. I wish I had our Dinah here. I know I do, said Alice aloud, addressing nobody in particular. She'd soon fetch it back. And who is Dinah, if I might venture to ask the question, said the lorry. Alice replied eagerly, for she was always ready to talk about her pet. Dinah's our cat, and she's such a capital one for catching mice. You can't think, and oh, I wish you could see her after the birds. Why, she'll eat a little bird as soon as... Look at it. In this book it says, well, obviously I'm reading it, this is exactly what it says. Why, she'll eat a little bird as soon as look at it. That's what it says. So, it doesn't make much sense, but that's okay. I'll keep moving along. All right. This speech caused a remarkable sensation among the party. Some of the birds hurried off at once. One old magpie began wrapping itself up very carefully, remarking, I really must be getting home. The night air doesn't suit my throat. And a canary called out in a trembling voice to its children. Come away, my dears. It's high time you were all in bed. On various pretexts, they all moved off, and Alice was soon left alone. I wish I hadn't mentioned Dinah, she said to herself in a melancholy tone. Nobody seems to like her down here, and I'm sure she's the best cat in the world. Oh, my dear Dinah, I wonder if I shall ever see you any more. And here the poor Alice began to cry again, for she felt very lonely and low-spirited. In a little while, however, she again heard a little pattering of footsteps in the distance, and she looked up eagerly, half hoping that the mouse had changed his mind and was coming back to finish His story. Welcome back, everybody. This is Allie Moon. You are listening to Lyrical Audio Candy Tour. All right. So we're back to reading Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. This is page 28. Chapter 4. The Rabbit Sends in a Little Bill. It was the white rabbit trotting slowly back again and looking anxiously about as it went, as if it had lost something and she heard it muttering to itself. The Duchess, the Duchess, oh my dear paws, oh, my fur and whiskers, she'll have me executed as sure as ferrets are ferrets. Where can I have dropped them, I wonder? Alice guessed in a moment that it was looking for the fan and the pair of white kick gloves and she very good-naturedly began hunting about for them but they were nowhere to be seen everything seemed to have changed since her swim in the pool and the great hall with the glass table and the little door had vanished completely very soon the rabbit noticed Alice as she went hunting about and called out to her in an angry tone why Marianne What are you doing out here? Run home this moment and fetch me a pair of gloves and a fan. Quick now! And Alice was so much frightened that she ran off at once in the direction it pointed to, without trying to explain the mistake it had made. He took me for his housemaid, she said to herself as she ran. How surprised he'll be when he finds out who I am but I'd better take him his fan and gloves, that is, if I can find them. As she said this, she came upon a neat little house, on the door of which was a bright brass plate with the name W. Rabbit engraved upon it. She went in without knocking and hurried upstairs. In great fear lest she should meet the real Marianne, "'and be turned out of the house before she had found the fan and gloves. "'How queer it seems,' Alice said to herself. "'To be going messages for a rabbit. "'I suppose Dinah will be sending me on messages next.' "'And she began fancying the sort of thing that would happen. "'Miss Alice, come here directly and get ready for your walk. "'Coming in a minute, nurse.' but I've got to watch this mouse hole till Dinah comes back and see that the mouse doesn't get out. Only I don't think, Alice went on, that they'll let Dinah stop in the house if it began ordering people around like that. But by the time she had found her way into a tidy little room with a table in the window and on it, as she had hoped, a fan, and two or three pairs of tiny white kid gloves. She took up the fan and a pair of the gloves and was just going to leave the room. When her eye fell upon a little bottle that stood near the looking glass, there was no label this time with the words, Drink Me. But nevertheless, she uncorked it and put it to her lips. I know something interesting is sure to happen. She said to herself, whenever I eat or drink anything. So, I'll just see what this little bottle... I added the word little. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. So, I'll just see what this bottle does. I do hope it'll make me grow large again, for really, I'm quite tired of being such a tiny little thing. So, it did... "'So indeed, and much sooner than she expected. "'Before she had drunk half the bottle, "'she found her head pressing against the ceiling "'and had to stoop to save her neck from being broken. "'She hastily put down the bottle, saying to herself, "'That's quite enough. "'I hope I shan't grow any more. "'As it is, I can't get out that door. "'I do wish I hadn't drunk quite so much.' (laughs) Alas, it was too late to wish that. She went on growing and growing, and very soon had to kneel down on the floor. In another minute, there was not enough room for this, and she tried the effect of lying down with one elbow against the door, and the other arm curled round her head. Still, she went on growing, and at last, resource, she put one arm out the window, and one foot up the chimney, and said to herself, Now I can do no more, whatever happens. What will become of me? Luckily for Alice, the little magic bottle had now had its full effect, and she grew no larger. Still, it was very uncomfortable. Actually entering page 30, by the way. Ooh, can we do it without any, without too many mistakes? (laughs) I'm not going to say any because I do mess up a little bit. Okay, page 30. As there seemed to be no sort of chance of her ever getting out of the room again, no wonder she felt unhappy. It was much pleasanter at home, thought poor Alice. One wasn't, one wasn't, I'm not stopping. I'm not recording this again. No, I will not do it. I don't want to do it. Okay. <laughs> that was a little ASMR for you. All right. Um, hmm. It was much pleasanter at home, thought poor Alice, when one wasn't always growing larger and smaller and being ordered about by mice and rabbits. I almost wish I had... Oh, thanks. <laughs> My husband just brought me a beer, which is always nice on a Saturday night, isn't it? And for all of you that don't drink, children, yes, drink your pop. It's a Saturday night. Drink that pop. Cheers to you and your Sprite. Okay. (laughs) All right. It was much pleasanter at home, thought poor Alice, when one wasn't always growing larger and smaller and being ordered about by mice and rabbits. I almost wish I hadn't gone down that rabbit hole. And yet, and yet, it's rather curious, you know, this sort of life. I do wonder what can have happened to me. When I used to read fairy tales, I fancied that kind of thing never happened. And now, here I am in the middle of one. There ought to be a book written about me. That there ought. And when I grow up, I'll write one. But grown up now, she added in a sorrowful tone. At least there is no room to grow up anymore here. But then, thought Alice, shall I never get any older than I am now? That'll be a comfort. One way, never to be an old woman. But then, always to have lessons to learn. Oh, I shouldn't like that. Oh, you foolish asshole. I need to back up. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you foolish Alice, she answered herself. How can you learn lessons in here? Why, there's hardly room for you. No room at all for any lesson books. And so she went on. We're entering page 31, by the way. And so she went on, taking first one side and then the other, and making quite a conversation of it all together. But after a few minutes she heard her voice outside, and stopped to listen. Marianne, Mary Anne, said the voice, fetch me my gloves this moment. Then came a little pattering of feet on the stairs. Alice knew it was the rabbit coming to look for her, and she trembled till she shook the house, quite forgetting that she was now about a thousand times as large as the rabbit, and no and had no reason to be afraid of it presently the rabbit came up to the door and tried to open it but as the door opened inwards an alice elbow alice is there's somebody texting me and i can't ignore it all right and alice's elbow was pressed hard against it that attempt proved a failure alice heard it say to itself then I'll go round and get in at the window. That you won't, thought Alice. And after waiting till she fancied she heard the rabbit just under the window, she suddenly spread out her hand and made a snatch in the air. She did not get a hold of anything, but she heard a little shriek and a fall and a crash of broken glass from which she concluded that it was just possible. It had fallen into a cucumber frame, or something of that sort. Next came an angry voice, the rabbits. Pat! Pat! Where are you? And then a voice she had never heard before. Sure, then, I'm here, digging for apples, Your Honor. Digging for apples, indeed, said the rabbit angrily. Here, come and help me out of this, sounds of more broken glass. Page 32. Now tell me, Pat, what's that in the window? Sure, it's an arum, your honor. He pronounced it arum. An arm, you goose. Whoever saw that one that size? Why, it fills the whole window. Sure, it does, your honor, but it's an arm for all that. "'Well, it's got no business there. "'At any rate, go and take it away.' "'There was a long silence after this, "'and Alice could only hear whispers now and then, "'such as, "'Sure, I don't like it, Your Honor. "'At all, at all. "'Do as I tell you, you coward.' "'And at last she spread out her hand again "'and made another snatch in the air. "'This time there were two little shrieks, and more sounds of broken glass. What a number of cucumber frames they must be. They must be, thought Alice. I wonder what they'll do next. As for pulling me out of the window, I only wish they could. I'm sure I don't want to stay in here any longer. She waited for some time without hearing any more. At last came a rumbling of little cartwheels and the sounds of a good many voices all taking together. Taking, yeah, I said taking. He's really talking. Well, <laughs> a good many voices all talking together. She made out of the words, Where's the other ladder? Why, I hadn't to bring but one. Bill's got the other. Bill! Fetch it here, lad. Here, put him up. At this corner. No, tie them together first. They don't reach half the height. Enough yet. Oh, they'll do well enough. Don't be particular. Here, Bill, catch hold of this rope. With a roof bare? Mind that loose slate. Oh, it's coming down. Heads below. A loud crash. Now, who did that? It was Bill, I fancy. Who's to go down the chimney? Nay, I shan't. "'You do it. That I won't. "'Then, Bill, to go down. "'Here, Bill! The master says you're to go down the chimney.' "'Oh, so Bill's got to come down the chimney,' he said. "'Has he?' I'm making up words as I go. Yeah, I like to do that. "'Has he?' said Alice to herself. "'Why, they seem to put everything upon Bill!' I wouldn't be in Bill's place for a good deal. This fireplace is narrow, to be sure. But I think I can kick a little. She drew her foot as far down the chimney as she could and waited till she heard a little animal. She couldn't guess of what sort it was, scratching and scrambling about in the chimney close above her. Then saying to herself, This is Bill. She gave one sharp kick and waited to see what would happen next. The first thing she heard was a general chorus of There goes Bill! Then the rabbit's voice alone. Catch him! You by the hedge! And silence. And then another confusion of voices. Hold up his head! Brandy, now don't choke him! How was it, old fellow? What happened to you? Tell us all about it. Last came a little feeble, squeaking voice. That's Bill, thought Alice. Well, I hardly know. No more, thank ye. I'm better now, but I'm a deal too flustered to tell you. All I know is something came at me like a jack-in-the-box, and up I go like a skyrocket. "'So you did, old fellow,' said the others. "'We must burn the house down,' said the rabbit's voice, and Alice called out as she could. "'If you do, I'll set Dinah on you.'" There was a dead silence instantly, and Alice thought to herself, "'I wonder what they will do next.'" If they had any sense, they'd take the roof off. After a minute or two, they began moving about again. And Alice heard the rabbit say, "'A barrelful will do to begin with.'" "'A barrelful of what?' thought Alice. But she had not long to doubt. For the next moment, a shower of little pebbles came rattling in at the window, and some of them hit her in the face. I'll put a stop to this, she said to herself and shouted out. You'd better not do that again, which pronounced another did silence. Alice noticed with some surprise that the pebbles were all turning into little cakes as they lay on the floor. And a bright idea came. Ooh, we're entering page 34. Ooh, so exciting. I'm actually reading more pages as I go because it's just more fun that way. Cakes into her head. Uh, If I eat one of these cakes, she thought, it's sure to make some change in my size. And as it can't possibly make me larger, it must make me smaller, I suppose. So she swallowed one of the cakes and was delighted to find that she began shrinking directly as soon as she was small enough to get through the door. She ran out of the house and found quite a crowd of little animals and birds waiting outside. The poor little lizard, Bill, was in the middle, being held up by two guinea pigs, who were giving it something out of a bottle. They all made a rush at Alice the moment she appeared. But she ran off as hard as she could, and soon found herself safe in a thick wood, The first thing I've got to do, said Alice to herself, as she wandered about in the wood, is to grow to my right size again, and the second thing is to find my way into that lovely garden. I think that will be the best plan. It sounded an excellent plan, no doubt, and very neatly and simply arranged. The only difficulty was, that she had not the smallest idea how to set about it. And while she was peering about anxiously among the trees, a little sharp bark just over her head made her look up in a great hurry. An enormous puppy was looking down at her with large round eyes and feebly stretching out one paw, trying to touch her. Poor little thing, she said said Ellis in a coaxing tone, and she tried hard to whistle to it, but she was terribly frightened, all the time at the thought that it might be hungry, in which case it would be very likely to eat her up in spite of all of her coaxing. Hardly knowing what she did, she picked up a little bit of a stick and held it out to the puppy, whereupon the puppy jumped into the air, off all its feet at once, with a yelp of delight and rushed at the stick, and may believe to worry it. Then Alice dodged behind a great thistle to keep herself from being run over, and the moment she appeared on the other side, the puppy made another rush at the stick and tumbled head over heels in his hurry to get a hold of it. Then Alice, thinking it was a very like having a game of play with a cart horse and expecting every moment to be trampled under its feet, ran round the thistle again. Then the puppy began a series of short charges at the stick, running a very little way forwards each time and a long way back and barking hoarsely all the while till at last it sat down a good way off, panting, with its tongue hanging out of its mouth and its great eyes half shut. This seemed to Alice a good opportunity for making her escape. So she set off at once and ran till she was quite tired and out of breath, until the puppy's bark sounded quite faint in the distance. And yet, what a dear little puppy it was said Alice as she leant against her buttercup to rest herself and fanned herself with one of the leaves we're entering page 36 by the way I should have liked teaching it tricks very much if if I'd only been the right size to do it oh dear I've nearly forgotten that I've got to grow up again Let me see. How is it to be managed? I suppose I ought to eat or drink something or other, but the great question is, what? The great question certainly was what? Alice looked all round her at the flowers and the blades of grass, but she did not see anything that looked like the right thing to eat or drink, under the circumstances. There was a large mushroom growing near her, about the same height as herself. And, when she had looked under it, and on both sides of it, and behind it, it occurred to her that she might as well look and see what was on top of it. She stretched herself upon, up on tiptoe, and peeped over the edge of the mushroom, and her eyes immediately met those of a large caterpillar that was sitting on top with its arms folded, quietly smoking a long hookah and taking not the smallest notice of her or of anything else. (laughs)